Forget what you think you know. Vampires exist. My name is Blade. I was born half human, half vampire. They call me the Daywalker. I have all their strengths, none of their weaknesses, except for the thirst. Twenty years ago, I met a man that changed that. Whistler. He taught me how to hold the thirst at bay. Taught me the rules. Gave me the weapons to hunt with. Silver. Garlic. Sunlight. If there's anything left of you in there, Whistler, listen up. In the morning, those blinds are going to open. Whether you're cured or not. Our operation, I built this operation, you ass white. Can you blush? Oh, I get it. I see now. You've been training for two years to take me out. Now here I am. So exciting, Sissy. Do you think they could ever grasp what it means to be immortal? You're not immortal. I must have heard hundreds of you rodents make the same claim. Each one of them has tasted the end of my sword. Perhaps I will too then. I'm sorry I got old on you. I see you alone, surrounded by enemies. It breaks my heart. We can't win this war alone. Welcome to Sweet Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike McMasunas. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great, guys. Welcome to the final episode in the Blade series. It's Blade 2 and Blade Trinity. As you guys know, I asked you guys if it's cool if we go ahead and combine these two movies so that way we can get into Oktoberfest. Today's October 1st, so I'm super pumped to get into the Oktoberfest and get to Silver Bullet. So I figured, man, why don't we just go ahead and do Blade 2 and Blade 3 together so that way we can kind of get done and, and get moving on. And then I attached a bonus episode for you guys, the 35th anniversary edition of John Carpenter's Halloween. It's the Blu-ray. I went ahead and reviewed that sucker and just hopefully get you to want to go out there and, and buy that movie. So make sure you download that sucker. It's a bonus episode, so hopefully you dig it. Now before we get into the review of Blade 2 and Blade Trinity, uh, why don't we go ahead and get into some movie and music news.
Alright guys, so for this edition of Movie News, I wanted to talk about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, I know this isn't movie news, but there's been some talk and people want to know, what did I think of the first episode? So here we go. I have to say, man, this was pretty excellent. I was actually impressed. I couldn't get over how much money they spent on this thing. I mean, it was pretty cool. In the beginning, we kind of get a little introduction to the Avengers and then you have the little Avengers toys just hanging out in the, you know, the kid looking at the Avenger toys. And then we have uh, Gunn from, uh, from Angel uh, as our main antagonist of the episode. It was cool, man. It was a fun episode. It was a lot of cool special effects. It looks like they spent a lot of money on it. I'm looking forward to it. It definitely kept my attention. It was pretty cool. It was fun seeing Agent Coulson back. And, you know, they are kind of teasing us a little bit, which I like how at first they tell you before the show airs that, hey, we're not going to tell you what happened to Agent Coulson not for a while. And then right off the bat in, like, the first two minutes you find out what's going on and you're like well I feel kind of cheated but then after that you get a little hint of oh he can never know what really happened so that was pretty cool it definitely makes you want to come back and see what's going on so I'm looking forward to the rest of the series man I, I think it'll be pretty fun as we know it's got a full season order and I don't know I guess we shall see how the rest of them play out but if the you know next episode is just as good as the first one then I think we are going to be in for a very fun ride, and I can't wait. I was going to talk about Dumb and Dumber 2, but I was like, oh, wait a second. I talked about that last time. So the biggest thing was really uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, I know it's TV related, but hey, come on. You got to work with me here. It's related to the Avengers. Now, I want to talk about the two movies that I recently picked up. Uh, as you know, unfortunately... Uh, I mean, it could be fortunate or it could be unfortunately, but as you know, I don't go to the movie theater that much. I'm very selective in what I want to go to the theater for, but when new movies come out on DVD, I try to pick those up right away and watch them. I finally got to Olympus Has Fallen. I mean, what, that movie's been out for like, what, five months already? Man, I had so much fun with that movie. It was really great. First up, I watched Iron Man 3. And the problems that I had with Iron Man 3, I won't necessarily say fixed it the second time around, but I definitely enjoyed the movie so much more the second time around. I think the first time I watched it, I was just trying to, you know, take everything in. But now that I knew what was going on, what to expect and watching again, a lot of the problems I had kind of, I'm, I'm able to deal with a lot better and stuff. So we shall see where this movie fits in my if it hits my top 10 list of 2013 and if it did where does it fall so you shall find that out now olympus has fallen is definitely a movie that is a big popcorn fun flick i had a lot of fun with that movie it was funny going back and listening to movie mojo monthly's review on that man jameson and brian tore that movie to pieces man it was crazy was like what is up with this oh man so I had a lot of fun with it. I loved it. I gave that one four and a half stars. There were a few bad CGI uh, shots, but for the most part, it was super fun. Gerard Butler was great. It was awesome seeing Aaron Eckhart and Morgan Freeman, and it was very crazy the amount of bloodshed that was done. But it, you know, it was definitely brought me into the world, and I went along for the ride and. It basically was Die Hard in the White House. It was very cool, very fun. I definitely loved it. 
was a good time. So I gave that one four and a half based on huge fun factor. I could definitely shut my brain off and just have a big fun ride. And for the most part, all the special effects really worked outside of a very few minor CGI issues that occurred here and there at nighttime or with the American flag falling down. That looked really bad. But overall, that was really fun. There's still a lot of movies I need to add to watch. You know, I still have The Call with Halle Berry to watch, you know. Uh, there's just Snitch I still have to, you know, get rolling here. So there's a lot of movies I need to catch up on. So that way, you know, when we get to December, I can have a pretty good list for a top 10. Because I haven't seen a lot of greatness and the greatness I've had hasn't fit a top 10. So I need to get a lot more movies in. Uh, but it helps if you have a late fee that you go ahead and pay that so you can rent some more. Unfortunately, hey, I got a late fee and, you know, I've also had to spend time watching all these older movies because now that's Halloween, I'm watching the old school movies, you know. So, hey, it is what it is, but I promise you I am going to try to catch up as much as possible. So when we get to December and I have a top 10 list, that it's going to be a fun list. And I can't wait to talk about some of the movies that are already currently in my top 10 list it's going to be super fun now in regards to music news i'm not going to spend a lot of time because we got a big show we got two movies to talk about but essentially in music news man as far as the charts go man i'm not feeling nothing man this there's this one song currently in the top 10 it's royals by lordy dude i don't really dig this song too much i'm sure you've probably heard this on the radio but I don't know, man. It just doesn't seem to be all that great. Of course, Katy Perry's roar uh, is, you know, going up and down, whether it stays at number one, number three, Wrecking Ball, uh, Miley Cyrus, as you know. uh, It's a good tune, but definitely the version I played for you on the last episode, as I see on Facebook, is a lot more of a fun, funner edition that more people like. So that's cool. And then there's this Wake Me Up song. Oh, man. This is another one I'm just not digging. Applause by Lady Gaga. It's got a really cool melody to it, but I have no idea what she's saying in the chorus. She's like, It's like they purposely drown out her vocals, so you have no idea what she's saying in the chorus. It's ridiculous. So it's a song that I think has a really good beat. It's got a really good melody, but you have no idea what she's saying because either she's singing it way too fast or you just can't understand her so that's the only bad thing with that song and then there's this other song i heard called the what is the fox say weird tune it's by yelvis so i would say pretty much stay away from all the new tunes that are currently up on the charts right now because man they are not good especially 23 which is uh this miley cyrus and wiz Khalifa and juicy j's tune and miley's trying to rap Oh man, it's terrible. Stay away from that trash. It's crap. Now Jay-Z has a new tune out which is called Holy Grail featuring Justin Timberlake. Good tune. I dig that one. It's a pretty long song. It's like 5 minutes and 38 seconds. Most tracks are about 3 and a half minutes. It's kind of the average. But that's a good one. I recommend you check out that one. So yeah, other than that, nothing too fancy on the charts. So we'll check it back next week. We'll see how things are rolling then, see if there's anything good worth checking out. So let's go ahead and get into our first movie review of the episode, which is Blade 2. There's a world beyond the one we know, where the powers of darkness fear nothing but one man. 
You represent the ruling body of the Vampire Nation. They're offering you a truce. They want to meet with you. You sure about this? They'll take us in deeper than we've ever been. Now, those he has sworn to kill need his help to fight a new breed of terror. They're no longer top of the food chain. Our forces are ready to fight, but we need a leader. Let me get this right. You want me to hunt them for you? side of the line you're standing on. Well, those are real hollow words coming from a man who just spent two years running with the enemy. And what the hell's that supposed to mean? You know, Whistler, there's an old saying. Keep your friends close. Keep your enemies closer. You might want to remember that. What do you think about that, man? Two things. One... I've been on to you since they turned you. Two, it's not a dud. Oh, great. I was just starting to like him. Alright guys, so before we get into the review of Blade 2, I just want to say that I'm not going to be spending a whole lot of time on Blade 2 and a whole lot of time on Blade 3 because, you know, we got two movies to talk about, we got a lot of emails, and with, in the past, when I've done multiple movies into one particular episode, you know, we kind of did like the highs and the lows and kind of moved on to the next movie. So I kind of want to do that with this one and talk about the really good stuff, the stuff that I like, the stuff I didn't like, and then move on. Now, I'm going to come out right off the bat and just say Blade 3 is not very good and Blade 2 is very good. The question is, do I like Blade 2 more than I like Blade 1? That's kind of something we were talking about. Uh, it does feel kind of, you know, I do feel kind of bad to be ending on Blade 3 because it just, uh, there's more bad in it than there is good. But of course, we shall get there when we get there in a little bit. Now, the storyline to Blade 2, pretty much short, sweet, and to the point is this. We got a new bad guy, Nomak. He is what's called a Reaper. It's uh, it's a vampire that has so much bloodlust that they actually feed off on vampires along with humans, of course. And if you don't die, you become a reaper yourself. But they expand so so rapidly that it's soon going to actually expire vampires. And then, of course, would lead off for them to go to humans next, 
which of course there won't be any humans left. So we have Blade, Whistler. Yes, he's back. We'll talk about that in a minute. There's another guy with the name Scud. They actually work with vampires. Uh, it's a team called the Blood Pack. It's essentially like an elite team of vampires that's trained in all modes of like combat and to take out reapers they were actually training to take out blade for two years but now they all have to work together so blades team and the blood pack are the only ones that can defend against the reapers take them out and basically the movie ends with blade taking on uh the main guy and a fight ensues and he takes out the main reaper which taking out the main reaper takes out all the rest of the Reapers and the movie ends and we're ready to rock and roll. So let's get into this thing. So our main bad guy is uh, Nomak and the guy is played by Luke Goss. Now, if you've ever seen the movie um, Death Race with Jason Statham, they made the sequel called uh, Death Race 2. And he is actually it's actually a prequel to Death Race. And... He actually stars in that movie. Now, obviously, he was in Blade 2 first, and he went ahead and did Death Race 2 and Death Race 3. So that's probably, if you've ever seen Death Race 2 or 3, that's where you're going to know this guy from. I instantly like this guy's look, uh, the way with the scar is and his mouth opens, and just the way that they look are really cool. Now, here's kind of the thing, the, the greatness of Blade 1 and the greatness of Blade 2. There are so much things that got improved on in this particular movie than on Blade 1. For example, we have way better fighting. Uh, The Ash effect is way better than it is in that one. Um, We have Blade, who I swear is literally on screen 96% of the time. It seems like any scene that doesn't have Blade instantly ends in like two minutes and Blade shows up. I mean, Blade 2 is so Blade heavy. I think that's one of the biggest reasons why most of my friends like Blade 2 over Blade 1. Now, is the new guy, Nomak, better than Deacon Frost? Of course not, because Deacon Frost had so much chemistry. However, he's a different kind of threat. It's kind of like uh, Heath Ledger's the Joker versus Bane. Uh, you have everybody likes him, the Joker because he's so crazy and he has so much charisma. And then you get to Bane, who doesn't have a lot of charisma, but he's very badass. He's more badass than uh, the Joker. Uh, in regards to like fighting and just the way he looks and stuff. So Nomak is essentially Bane, where he doesn't have any charisma, but his fighting is amazing. His look is amazing. Uh, he's just so badass compared to Deacon Frost. But Deacon Frost wins in the department of awesome bad guy, uh, really good swords guy. Uh, but he just he's more likable than Nomak. So if the only weak point of Blade 2 would, for me, really be the bad guy, and I really like the bad guy, but he's not Deacon Frost. I mean, the ending totally blows away the Blade 1 ending in every way, shape, and form, uh, which we'll get into some similarities, if you will. But I think that's really the big thing with Blade 2 is Nomak. Uh, he's a different kind of bad guy. You don't see him as much as you did Deacon Frost. Deacon Frost is just way cooler, better bad guy, uh, but Nomak does this story that they're telling very, very well, fits perfectly in there. 
So I like the very cool intro that we get to the beginning of the movie where we get Blade explaining who he is, what he does, and how all of a sudden Whistler is alive. So here's the thing. As I brought up in the Blade 1 review, I was looking at that as there is not going to be any sequel. It was contained in one. So kind of like with Halloween, uh, which if you listen to the bonus episode, I review the 35th anniversary and I talk about the auto commentary with Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, John Carpenter's how awesome it is. But there's a specific question that's brought up is, did he know that there was going to be a sequel? So you'll have to go ahead and listen to it, of course. But here's the thing. They made Blade 2 because Blade 1 was so successful and they're like, well, Whistler was just so cool. Let's find a way to kind of retcon a little bit and bring him back. So it works for what they're doing here. You may not like it, but at least it's a way better retcon than most of the retcons we've had in the past. For example, the worst retcon in in history has to be Halloween Resurrection. That is by far the worst retcon I've ever seen. For those of you who don't know what retcon is, it's retro, you know, going back and changing something that happened in a prior movie uh, or, you know, changing the events, if you will. And Halloween Resurrection is the worst. But This one's not a bad retcon. You can kind of go with it that he shot himself, but he turned into a vampire. Like he just didn't do it well enough. And you're like, okay, it's taken out in the first couple seconds and you're going to go with it. So when I do see uh, the kind of knowledge of thinking, hey, maybe this is going to be the storyline we're going to be dealing with in Blade 2. And then we get the really cool logo. I love the Blade 2 logo. Looks very awesome. Very cool. I dig it. Now, right after the logo, we get an amazing fight. First off, we see the ash, how much improvement it was. Uh, Of course, this is directed by uh, Gilmer Del Toro, which I forgot to mention before, which everybody loves this guy. But the fighting is unbelievable. I can watch Blade kick ass for two hours straight. I don't care if we have a storyline. Just show me him fighting for two hours straight and that's a five-star movie. It's amazing. His The martial arts has been stepped up to a whole new level in this movie. Fantastic. The flips he does uh, when he gets on the bike and he kisses his car is hilarious. Amazing, amazing, amazing. This opening fight scene is fantastic it's like a 10 out of 10 oh man i cannot emphasize how amazing the beginning is of this movie with the fighting now when blade finds whistler uh it is kind of funny because he has pants on but i'm sure it's just because nobody wanted to see him naked and how old he is and stuff because normally in these kind of movies they have those people that are you know trying to be kept alive either in their underwear or whatever but they just kept whistler in his pants the only thing i don't get is after he gets rescued and you know i i love the talk that blade gives him about whether you're cured or not uh you know you're either going to be asked or you won't but how the hell does Wessler know to hide his wedding ring i never understood that but it is what it is it's funny but it's definitely cool when we see whistler and blade back together now There's somebody I do not like whatsoever in this movie, and that's Skid. I'm sorry, Scud. This guy sucks. Now, before you Boondock Saints and Walking Dead fans get your panties in a bunch, he's great in that stuff, but he sucks in this movie. He's just so annoying 
And just the comments that he says, I mean, it is a little cute about how he calls Blade B and, you know, Whistler W. But he's just, I'm so glad that when he dies in this movie, he goes out with a bang. Because I do not like this character one bit. Now, the actual actor that plays this character, which is Norman Reedus, uh, he is actually, I'm going to say this. He does a very good job in acting like this character. So it's not that I don't like this guy's performance. It's just I hate the character, if that makes sense. Because there's a difference between hating a character and hating the character and the actor who's doing it because they're such a terrible actor. This guy's a really good actor. I just can't stand the character, if that makes any sense. Now, when we get to Blade Trinity, there's multiple people who are terrible characters because they're terrible actors. But we'll get there when we get there. But going back to Scud, I just say I just don't like this guy's character. I'm just glad he goes out with a bang when he does. Uh, but when we get introduced to you know the blood pack, we first see uh, Nisi that shows up uh, to do her little or uh, Nisa, sorry Nisa. That little scene with the lights and fighting with the sword, I think there was maybe only two shots where Blade kind of does a little jump and it looks a little bit off in regards to kind of slowing slowing it down a little bit. But otherwise, that is a very good scene. And the best thing is, is he's fighting with his sword without actually pulling out his sword. He's just using one hand, blocking the two swords in the fight, and then he pulls out his sword. It's a very good, fun sword fight. Uh, I think the one at the end of Blade is a better sword fight, the one with Blade and uh, Deacon Frost than this fight here but it was definitely a I call a very close second now in regards to our blood pack uh, of course our main guy is good old Hellboy which is Ron Perlman I mean this guy regardless of the character he plays whether he's a good guy a bad guy this guy is always solid he's a fantastic actor is and always has fantastic characters I definitely love this guy and of course uh, as I like to call him Vinny uh, which is Vinny from Fast and Furious and then Fast Five. He's the one guy that has a major problem with uh, Whistler and tries to you basically kill him before uh, the Reapers come and eat this guy. I can't remember his actual character's name, but those are the only two guys in the Blood Pack that, of course, I like. Reinhardt, you know, Ron Perlman, and then Vinny from the Fast and Furious movies. He's always a douchebag, but at least in Fast Five, he had some sort of redeeming qualities to him. So... I definitely dig him in Fast Five, but he's always a good bad guy, though, man. So good times. Everybody else was really solid. I like Preach. I like the guy. I like the girl with the red hair. Just everybody else was really solid in a blood pack. I dug him. It was good times. Now, I don't get can you blush. What is that supposed to mean? I mean, it's definitely funny. Can you blush? And Blade's like, ah, I see. And he does this little slap him in the face. It's just it's a really good scene. I just don't get it. Can you blush? I don't know. Maybe I'm, I just don't get it. It's funny, but I have no idea what it means. So somebody please write in and tell me, what does that mean? Can you blush? Now, of course, I love the slow-mo scene, which is really awesome. You know, where Blade and the, and the Blood Pack are just walking. They got this really cool music playing. I dig it. It's good times. It's like, uh, you know, I love the the slow-mo fast scene in, in Blade 1, you know, where they're showing a building and all of a sudden it goes in fast motion and then it's going for, the sun goes all the way down super fast and now it's darkness. But I just love the slow-mo stuff that they do in Blade where st- certain stuff is slow and other stuff goes fast. And then they get into the club 
And this club is ridiculous, the stuff that they're doing in this club, which eventually will lead to them getting attacked to the Reapers. Now, Scud, you know, he is obviously a betrays Blade. And at first, when I was watching again and knowing this, of course, I was always like, well, why does he tell them that, you know, the lights hurt these guys and stuff? But then I was thinking to myself, well, he doesn't want to die either. So that's kind of why he's got to kind of help them and stuff. But I really dig the Reapers, just how they have no weakness to silver or garlic. It has to be, you know, staked through the heart, but yet, or ultraviolet. Uh, light will take them out but how their heart is protected with the bone and stuff i thought that was really cool the autopsy that they do later on to show you this information is really cool i really dig uh you know nisa because nisa is you know she's a pure blood but she's not no you know douchebag pure blood like the guys in part one and her and Blade really hit it off, and she kind of puts Blade in his place later on in the film about how I've accepted who I was, and Blade starts to kind of fall for her, and it's like, this guy never has any luck with women. But I, I really dig it, especially when they get the, uh, the the bomb that's going to do the, uh, you know, you push it down, and then that's when all those lights are going the ultraviolet lights are going to explode and take out all the Reapers. I love how Blade just says, you know, uh, take cover you know he just like looks at her and just like with compassion it's really the first time we've seen blade talk with compassion just the way he does his presence and just grabs her hand and just warns her was good times man it was awesome he's just like don't for just remember to take cover just those those little words that he says went such a long way now in this movie there's no doubt about it that whistler is not as uh, you know, up close and personal as he was in the first movie. This one, he kind of takes a, a little bit of a backseat, but when they show him, he has phenomenal one-liners. Just, oh man, so good. I obviously can't repeat on the podcast, but the stuff that he says is great. He's got just as much attitude as he did in the first one. Uh, gotta love the line that Blade will say to him about keep your friends close and your enemies closer. You might want to remember that. Whistler is really great. Yes, you know, you he should have died, you know, but they brought him back. So I just accept it for the story that they're telling me. It's great to have him back. And when he is on screen, he is just great. He is just as awesome as he was in the first one. But unfortunately, if he's like such a phenomenal character to you, it could kind of hurt the movie for you. The fact that you don't see him as much as you did in the first one. But in this movie, we have so much Blade. I mean, it's crazy. Like I told you, it seems every two minutes it's Blade on the screen. And that's why this movie is just feels so much uh, better because it's so much Blade all the time. And, man, I can't get enough of this guy. So I'm not going to complain seeing this guy every two minutes on screen. Now, uh, one of the most action-packed sequences is when Blade and the guys have to take on all the reapers and they're down in the sewer and that's of course where it'll end where you know blade has to ignite all the ultraviolet little tools that whistler and scud made now in the trailer if you watch it where blades like you don't know who you're messing with but of course in the movie it's 
You don't know who you're effing with. And I always love that. Every time I see it, it's like, man, so good. Of course, the one in the movie is better than the one in the trailer. But I just totally love how they changed that. It was so cool. Now, I think the only scene that kind of made me, you know, kind of yawn a little bit is when Blade gets captured and they have to use his blood. It's like yawn we did this already in the first one where blade has to get his blood drawn they just do in a little bit more i don't know vicious way where the stuff goes through his arm and then locks him in and stuff it's like couldn't you think of something else than what you did in the first one it's really my biggest complaint i have with the movie is like okay talk about pulling from playbook of number one but you know it does look cooler than it did in the first one and it does make a little bit more sense for the reason to do it but the payoff though is so awesome because even though i don't like the fact that they have to reuse the same scene of part one of drawing his blood when he has to get his blood and he drops in that pool of blood, he looks so awesome when he stands up and you have the blood dripping off of him and stuff. And I love that that song that plays where he's like, uh, it's like, come on, you mother effer. And then the song starts playing it. When I first heard that in the theater, I was like, hell no, I can't believe that song just said that. But of course, that's just how the song goes. But this fight is blows away the beginning you know, the beginning fight, this sword fight, the stuff that he does to the vampires and stuff. This is, of course, before he's going to take on Hellboy. Man, it is a 10 out of 10, maybe a 20 out of 10. I don't know. This is definitely like, I think the the greatest fight scene you're ever going to see in the Blade series is when he's taking on all these guys and stuff before he goes to uh, Mr. Hellboy uh, Reinhardt. Uh, to go slice them in half. Now, when we get to the end fight uh, where we got to fight Nomak, I like this fight. I definitely think the fight is better than the Deacon Frost fight. It looks so much better. We don't have some crazy, stupid CGI blood or anything like that. But the only issue I have with this fight at the end is the elbow drop. It looks terrible. When Nomak is like jumping up in the air, it looks cool. But when he does like this jump all the way in the air, well, I should say this. The elbow drop looks awesome. Like where he does a jump and all of a sudden you don't know where he is and he does this elbow drop on Blade. Looks awesome. And for those of you who don't know what an elbow drop is, go watch wrestling or type it in and find out what it is. But it's essentially where he jumps in the air and he grabs his elbow and smashes Blade in the face. It's when he jumps up in the air to step on him. That didn't look too good. The special effects were a little bit off. But otherwise, uh, the fighting, man, I I give this ending with uh, the fight, I give it an 8.5. It was very good. And, of course, um, the ending with uh, with Nisa, you know, where Blade has to take her out in the sun. And she uh, just looks at him and just kind of wants to kiss him and stuff. And she just goes up in ash and stuff. Man, it was definitely a heartfelt moment. I really dug it, you know. And, of course, you got to love the end because there's this little uh, vampire earlier in the film that Blade let go. And this guy is going to go into, like, you know, one of those uh, uh, peep shows. And he's got his Kleenex ready and he's got his uh, razor blades ready, which is just weird. And, then of course, Blade finishes them off with the blade to his head. So it is really, really fun movie. Now, in regards to my rating, now, if you remember on Blade 1, I gave that one a four and a half. Here's what I'm going to say about Blade 2. 
I actually think I actually like Blade Two a tiny bit more than Blade One. However, I give it the same score. Blade Two is a perfect one-two punch. I say this: watch Blade One, watch Blade Two, and skip Blade Three. Because when I get to Blade Three, you'll find out why I tell you to skip it. It's not even worth your time. But Blade One and Blade Two is a perfect one-two punch. It should have been what Bad Boys One and Two was. Uh, Blade Two increases the action and makes it so much better. The Ash looks better. The vampires look better. The Reapers look great. The uh, the slight badness is the fact that you have. Uh, your main bad guy, Nomak, does not have as much charisma as Deacon Frost did, but the special effects are top-notch. The fighting is just so mind-blowing. The sword fights are great. Uh, you have uh, really funny one-liners. Uh, the music, especially if you like the techno in the first movie, they kind of built it up a little bit. There's actually, I believe, an Ice Cube and Ludacris tune. But overall, for my score, I give this one a very strong four and a half, weak five stars. Uh, just like I gave Blade One, I gave that a, a strong four and a half stars. This one is slightly better, so I would go like four point seven five for those of you who like to go in between. So I give this one strong four and a half, weak five. You know, my only issues I have is the fact that they kind of had to reuse the same thing of Part One of you know, oh they got they got to draw blade's blood but it looks so much better when he went in the water and kicked everybody's ass and then grabbed his sunglasses that looked awesome we have a little bit less whistler than we had in the first one but when you do see whistler he's so much funnier he's just got great he's just oh he's just so good uh we have the terrible scud though which kind of brings it down a little bit and our main bad guy doesn't have as much chemistry and awesomeness as deacon frost although he can fight way better than deacon frost did and he looks cooler so those are the slight differences which doesn't give it a full five stars for me but i like it slightly better because the action is just so great blade is in this like i told you like every two to three minutes he he's perfected this character in his sleep so that's why i really enjoy blade 2 so uh that's it for this review so let's roll into blade trinity it seems to me we can't get enough of our boogeymen What's your take on all these rumors we've been hearing about vampires? If vampires existed, don't you think we would have found them by now? People want to be concerned. We should focus in on characters like the sociopath that we've been pursuing. He believes that he is out there slaying monsters. Why can't you just be nice? Because the world isn't nice. You're public enemy number one, Blade. We're gonna have to take on the rest of the world, too. Don't shoot! Don't shoot! He's fought the war against darkness alone. We use the humans to flush him out. Until now. Evening, ladies. This way! Who the hell are you people? My name is Hannibal King, and this little hellion right here is Abigail. Whistler's daughter. I guess hunting just runs in our blood. Your kids. What the hell makes you think you know about hunting vampires? For starters, I used to be one. Rookies. Vampires were searching for the final solution. The original vampire. They found him. He was born perfect. This guy has never had to evolve. It's the end game, Blade. Time for payback. Get ready to roll with this. Ready to die. This is a 
day I was born. All right, so now it is time to talk Blade Trinity. So here's the thing with Blade Trinity. You know, when I first heard about this movie coming out, I knew that there was going to be two new characters added, which was Jessica uh, Biel, which I've always liked Jessica Biel. I've I've always enjoyed her performances. You know, uh, of course, she's Mrs. Timberlake, but she's very beautiful. Uh, I, I just always thought that any performance she was in, I've just always enjoyed her. Uh, is she the greatest actress in the world? No, but she's definitely uh, a very fun character. She's really excellent in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Uh, I love that movie just because how phenomenal she is in that movie. She is great. And then Ryan Reynolds was a guy that I knew and I liked, but I never thought he had done a very good movie up until this point, and my wife hated this guy. So, you know, going in, I'm hoping that it's going to be a good movie. Now, uh, there's definitely a lot of issues with this movie that we shall go over. Basically, the storyline is that Dracula's up in this movie. That's our main bad guy. And uh, the FBI are after Blade in like the first part of this movie. And then, of course, they're gone. But Whistler ends up dying. And then we have Whistler's daughter and Ryan Reynolds become, uh, you know, Blade's rescue where they kind of bring him in to, you know, be his resource because the vampires kind of woke up Dracula to take out Blade. And they need to have Dracula's blood, uh, the good guys, they need Dracula's blood in order to do this thing called Daystar, which once it's in the air will basically kill all vampires. And the whole movie is essentially Blade versus Dracula. And then when you get to the end of the movie, depending which version you saw, uh, Blade does kill Dracula. And depending on the ending, uh, you could either see Blade is dead or the I don't know it's it's kind of convoluted we'll talk about it but here's basically the thing with this movie I really wanted to like this movie I let's put it this way first time I saw it I liked it the second time I watched it I liked it less the third time I watched it I like it less usually for me the more I watch the movie the more I like it when I watch a movie and it gets worse every time I see it, I know I'm not digging it. So let's start off on the beginning. I like the beginning, how we get the Marvel logo. It's the first time we saw a Marvel logo on a Blade film, which is pretty cool, which of course has become commonplace on today's films. I thought that was really cool. And now normally we get a Blade intro. This time we're up in the desert and we get some random middle finger in the air to the sun. And then we see Triple H. <sighs> okay. I am a huge lover of wrestling. As you guys know, uh, of course, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is my boy, my homie. You know, I'm his publicist. Uh, and wrestling is something that, you know, I've talked about my history with it. If you go back to my wrestling episode, 
And Triple H has always been a guy I've watched week in and week out. This guy is phenomenal in regards to uh, his wrestling ability. He's really great as a bad guy in wrestling. And now uh, he's kind of he's kind of changed his look in wrestling week in and week out. And he's kind of king douchebag, if you will, uh, week in and week out. But he does it so good. But he still kind of gets cheers from the audience week in and week out because he can he can kind of do the fine line. He can be good sometimes and he can be bad. I definitely love this guy every week. When it comes to Blade Trinity, this guy is so awful. He is got to be one of the worst actors I've ever seen in my life. And it's terrible because this guy acts every week. Newsflash, wrestling isn't real. So every time you watch wrestling, people are acting. And Triple H acts every single Monday night that I watch this guy. He's convincing. He looks like he's he's living this part. I don't know why in Blade Trinity, this guy looks like he looks at a script and says, uh, what is the, oh, these are lines that I have to memorize. This guy is so terrible. I cannot stand this guy. At least Scud was at least somebody I could watch on screen and hate. I can't watch Triple H on screen because he looks stupid. He acts stupid. His character is stupid. He has no charisma. He, he cannot say a line for the life of him this guy is one of the worst actors i've ever seen ever in a movie absolutely terrible this guy is piss poor oh terrible and let's talk about parker posey she is somebody who uh i've never been a fan of but when we got the superman returns which a lot of people have issues with i actually thought you know she wasn't too bad it was something that i could kind of enjoy her in there's been various roles that i was like yeah you know i'm I'm liking her a little bit more and more but in this movie oh my gosh she is so bad she can't keep a face on her to match what she's trying to say she acts like she has never acted in a movie a day in her life i mean kids can put on a better performance than these two actors i i can't even call them actors because that's not what they're doing in this movie i don't know what the hell they're doing in this movie they are just terrible oh i can't emphasize worse or any more than just to say triple h and parker posey are the by far the worst thing to happen to this movie oh so bad and the worst thing is these guys are in this movie for like 30 or 40 percent of the time oh my gosh somebody please shoot me now so moving on from the trash of the movie let's talk about drake dracula so the guy that plays dracula which is uh dominic purcell who is in uh prison break I think this guy looks really cool. Uh, there's some of you guys in your emails that just said this guy was terrible or, you know, he was okay. I think he was serviceable. I think his best scene is by far when he's on the roof and he's talking the blade. It's his best acting performance in this movie. Otherwise, he's very dull. Uh, at least he acts better than Triple H and Parker Posey. I mean, at least this guy's serviceable. Uh, I mean, he does, he kind of looks the part and. When they make him look like Dracula, fantastic. You know, David Goyer wrote uh, every single one of these Blade movies. This is the first one that he wrote and directed. 
I got to say, this is definitely the learning experience he had to make the Dark Knight. Because, for example, when we get that interrogation scene that happens with uh, Blade and the FBI or in the FBI room, but he's having the interrogation with uh, the psychologist. It is the worst interrogation scene I've ever seen. So it's like David Goyer realized how terrible that scene was and made a phenomenal writing for The Dark Knight. Now, granted, we don't know how much Christopher Nolan came aboard, but since David Goyer wrote The Dark Knight, chances are, you know, he's like, hey, I totally screwed up that interrogation scene in Blade Trinity. Let me fix that for The Dark Knight. So I do have to thank blade trinity for being such a terrible movie that we got an awesome dark knight that's cool but he actually wrote and directed this and i thought his directing wasn't too bad he did some pretty cool shots you know when we finally get a blade intro and he's doing a fight there's this really awesome knife that blade has it looks really cool and it's a really good fight it's nowhere near as awesome as the fight in the beginning of blade 2 and it's kind of stupid too because when he gets into his uh his charger and he's trying to take on these guys and one of the guys jumps on the charger blade shoots the guy through his windshield and the next scene he puts his windshield wiper on well how the hell can that happen when you're not supposed to have a windshield it was totally stupid it made no sense i guess it was supposed to be for comic relief but I didn't laugh. I just thought it was stupid and just either bad directing, bad editing, or whatever you want to call it. It was just dumb. Now, after this, we get, uh, you know, Blade, you know, kills the, the guy that he thought was a familiar. And then uh, he gets busted by, uh, uh, you know, Parker Posey, I guess. And uh, he goes home to Whistler. Whistler, unfortunately, isn't in this movie very much, but he's solid. It's kind of like Mr. Miyagi. You know, Karate Kid 3 was a total train wreck, but Mr. Miyagi was solid. Same thing for Christopher Christopherson being Whistler. I mean, don't get me wrong. Blade is... Here's the thing with Blade Trinity. Wesley Snipes was very irritated with the fact that he had to share the screen due to uh, Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Biel. I honestly think... It would be so much better if we would cut Ryan Reynolds out of this movie and it was just uh, Whistler and and him because the scenes worked a lot better when it was just those two versus when it was all three of them. Now, we'll talk about Ryan Reynolds in a minute, Uh, but he's so out of character in this one. He just, you can just feel the frustration coming through the screen like i don't want to be in this movie it's not like blade 2 where he was doing blade in his sleep this one it's just like i hate my job and i don't want to be here that's exactly the vibe that i get off uh wesley snipes every time i see this guy on screen and it's unfortunate his best moments are like when it's just him and only him is when i feel I have Blade, you know, when he's with Whistler, good times, you know, like uh, we have friends, you know, you remember those, that that conversation Uh, and just his attitude towards Whistler is good. The fight with the FBI, although the storyline goes nowhere, uh, it makes no sense. Why the, the FBI? I mean, most people don't even know who Blade is. How the heck did the FBI all of a sudden know who Blade is and stuff? It really just kind of came out of left field. And then the FBI storyline just disappears. It goes nowhere. It doesn't make any sense, this FBI storyline that they have going on in this film. 
Now the uh, the introduction to Jessica Biel's character, which is uh, what, which is Abigail Whistler, which is you know obviously the daughter of uh, Whistler. She, I mean, it's pretty cool because her and Ryan Reynolds' character, which is uh, Ryan is Hannibal King, they both have the same introduction, which is "fu." On the baby, it says "fu," and then his name tag says "fu." But she has really awesome fighting. Her fighting is really good. Her main thing is like a bow and arrow. Uh, it's a really good introduction to her character. And then, uh, you know, when we get introduced to Ryan Reynolds, don't get me wrong. I love Ryan Reynolds. You guys know that. You know, he was phenomenal and buried. You know, me and Jason gave that movie five stars because his acting chops was through the roof. This guy took this little tiny box and made a movie out of it. A guy in a box. And his he's this guy is so talented. And I think that Ryan Reynolds in this movie is funny when he's not trying to be funny. I'll get there a little bit. You know, when we get kind of further into the movie. But overall, Ryan Reynolds, uh, I mean, obviously he looks great. You know, he looks phenomenal. And his fighting is great. I love his look. But his jokes, most of them fall very flat for me. And you know me, I'm a sucker for one-liners. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger is my favorite action hero of all time. And that guy is pure one-liners. But there's something the way that Ryan Reynolds delivers these one-liners that most of them don't work for me. Now, I, I know I jumped a little bit ahead when I was talking about Ryan Reynolds during the rescue scene. But, you know, when Blade does get caught, you know, I, I do love when Whistler blows up. It sacrifices himself, you know, like, don't move a finger. How about this one? And he puts up his middle finger. That was pure West, uh, Whistler. That's the way to go out. And I love the way that Blade reacts with the scream and just uh, just sits down and just drops his sword and it's like you know he wants to cry but he just can't let it out and you know when he gets interrogated and he's like how many people have you killed 1182 that was good times uh you know when he's being interrogated you know the scene that i was telling you about which is terrible where who's the president some a-hole but wesley snipes is so bored in this interrogation scene where he's just rolling his head away and it just it's a boring scene because the guy talking to him just uh, is just terrible and it just you can really like i said really feel the frustration but uh after he's being rescued and he gets his outfit on and i like the slow-mo look with the light hitting him and you can kind of see his eyes through the glasses that was cool i love his line about i forgot my sword that was awesome but then when he gets to meet the rest of the night stalkers you know when he's kind of lecturing them about how they're just kids and you know you think this is a joke and stuff it doesn't seem like Blade. It's just it feels like Wesley Snipes yelling at those two actors for coming into his movie and ruining everything, you know. And obviously, if you read the history of this film, there was a lot of legal action from Wesley Snipes due to the fact of, uh, you know, uh, Wesley Snipes and Chris Christopherson, who you know became good friends after working on the two previous installments. They were unhappy with the movie and with the, the script decisions. They felt that uh, too many new characters were added to the universe and Blade did not need any sidekicks besides Whistler. So Snipes, New, new, uh, new Life Cinema and Goyer claiming that the studio did not pay his full salary and he was initially cut out of casting decisions and filmmaking process. 
you know, so if you read about this, you can clearly see that, you know, Wesley Snipes is, you know, pissed off because his character was sidelined due to the fact that we had these two new characters. And, you know, I don't blame him. I mean, when we get Blade 2, I told you he's on screen like every two or three minutes. And then we get this one and Blade's in like barely half of the film, it feels like. You know, it feels like they made this movie to be... Uh, a spinoff you know it's like screw blade let's introduce these two characters so after this movie they can take on werewolves and crap because that's one of the alternate endings and it just it fails because when you're taking away your main character and you're putting him in it's kind of like you know a lot of people complain about the dark knight rises because batman isn't in, in the movie as much Uh, as he was in the other two and it feels like most of the movie went to joseph gordon levitt so you know a lot of those arguments i can totally see where they're coming from you know some of you out there are listening and just thinking i'm crazy and i'm just being too hard on the movie especially when you know masunas he's contrarian he isn't ever hard on movies but if i i gotta be honest what am i gonna do lie to you guys and tell you that i like the movie when i don't i mean i I gotta be honest it's just how i'm feeling that i feel the frustration coming through the screen of wesley snipes and i don't feel like he was the blade character in this movie because he's too pissed off about what's going on now are you gonna say well maybe he should have just swallowed his pride and just dealt with it but you know it's a character you're the main star and it just feels like it's unbalanced. They didn't balance it well enough. I guess is kind of the issue, and I totally see Wesley Snipes' perspective on this. Now, after Blade kind of goes off on the Night Stalkers, you know, Ryan Reynolds' joke about the Care Bear name was taken, that was kind of funny. Uh, or the explanation about how, you know, her fangs are in her vagina, you know, that was actually kind of funny because it didn't seem like he was just trying to have a one-liner. But it was kind of weird when they're talking about Drake, and I don't know if you're supposed to be in the point of view of Blade where Ryan Reynolds is staring at the camera explaining about Drake and uh or dracula how he was like born perfect and uh nobody knows his origins and this and that Uh, there's definitely a lot of christian mythology that happens in this movie you know like where dracula's say you know why are you wearing that cross i saw him crucified and you know there's just a lot of that imagery and stuff that they brought in which felt a little bit kind of weird kind of felt out of place a little bit but uh it was just kind of weird that that point of view shot of of you know Hannibal King just talking to us about Dracula and stuff. It's kind of weird. I don't know if I dug it. It was just kind of like I like the way the effects look of uh, him in the blood and all this and that. But it was just kind of weird. I guess you're supposed to be in the point of view of Blade on that scene. Now the one, there's one scene I really love in this movie. Because don't get me wrong. I don't hate this movie. There are a few things that I definitely like. But like I said there's more things that don't work than do. But I again it's pulled back from part one about the the fast and slow motion like when dracula's walking down the street and you have that awesome song about that's fatal and i just love how he's walking slow and everybody's super fast i love that shot it's a beautiful shot it's a total callback to the slow-mo stuff that they do in part one and part two so at least you have that consistency of that shot kind of like how jameson was saying in indiana jones how they have that map scene where you see uh you know the map and the vehicle being shown at the same time i guess that's supposed to continue throughout the series and that's one thing that's consistent with blade series is that slow-mo uh fast sequence but i love that song that's fatal that's a good track man i really dig that song it was good times and i do actually like the shop scene although 
these two cust you know the two employees man they are terrible man they are so rude it's like man when they got killed i didn't have any sympathy for them because they were total jerk offs it's like you don't like talk to somebody when they walk into your thing hey bud you know you're gonna buy it's like man when you died, I had no sympathy for you. But it was it was really cool scene. I actually liked it. And when he, he gets done biting the girl and the way his face looked, man, I, I can't say anything wrong about the special effects. The special effects are superb in this movie. Good times. Now, there's another weird callback, I guess, to part one. Instead of needing Blade's blood, now we're going to change it to Drake's blood. How original. I don't know. There's always this thing about, oh, we need somebody's blood. We need somebody's blood. I don't know. They need, I I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's cool that they need Dracula's blood in order to do this day star, which kills all the vampires. It's a cool idea, but it just feels like, oh, here we go again. We need somebody's blood again. At least it's not blade this time. Three times a charm, right? But it just, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where I'm like, okay. It's like, here we go again, but I actually like the idea of needing Dracula's blood in order to kill everybody else. That's actually a cool concept, but it's unfortunate that we've already had Blade's blood twice and now we need somebody else's blood. It just felt kind of tired. Now, I do like me some uh, James Bond style uh, when we get Patton Oswald, who's kind of like our cue of James Bond kind of showing Blade all the stuff that everybody, you know, that the Night Stalkers have, which, of course, uh, you got to love the little la- um, blade laser that kind of slices through them like butter. It's good times. And then I like how they talk about how Dracula, uh, his bone structure, how he can easily morph into people is really cool. And then, um, like I said, the FBI storyline just up and disappears after blade breaks out of the fbi you never see them again the rest of the movie until the very end it's like i don't know it's like they had to find a way to kill off west whistler and get him hooked up with the night stalkers and this was their storyline it was not satisfying whatsoever but the one thing i do love in this movie and i love it it's my favorite effect is when uh, they go to the guy that uh, basically got Blade into you know into the interrogation scene, and he ends up being dead. And it's actually Dracula morphed into him, and they do the sh- the bullet shot going to him, and it's in slow motion, and his face changes from that guy into Dracula. Oh my gosh, that is amazing! That's the best special effect in this movie. It's fantastic. I love, love, love that shot. It is amazing. And then we get to the chase scene, which is by far the best scene of the whole entire movie. This is, uh, you know, it's kind of like Jason Bourne running through everybody's house and stuff, but we don't really have any uh, shaky cam. We have Blade chasing after him, and it's definitely the most quote-unquote Blade scene, you know, where we have Blade doing his best lines, and we have Drake saying his best lines, it's uh, it's really cool, and what's awesome is 
he actually saves the baby. You know, like the blade of part one, you know, went after Deacon Frost and then decided he was going to go save the little girl. But this time, Blade goes ahead and saves the baby first and lets Dracula get away, which was kind of a cool, you know, character development, if you will, for a character that really doesn't have a whole lot. And you got to love his little coochie coo. You know, that was awesome. But it's by far the best scene. It's the, you know, it's definitely uh, Snipes in his total blade mode and it's just it's the best you know the best action sequence and it's just the most true to character scene of blade i really really dug it It was good times now i love the you know uh they get the cop and they got to go to the blood bank and he's like they'll kill me i love what blade says he's like mother f i'll kill you i'll just like it better you know that's definitely my favorite blade line of the whole entire movie but what i what i didn't get is um i like the fact that they brought back the blood bank you know they talked about that in part one that eventually vampires would start to use blood banks to feed off a human so they go ahead and do that in this movie so i like the fact that they do that it's a nice callback to part one but what i don't get is is blade lets the the girl live he tells her to shut it down it's like, why did he let her live? She easily could have went ahead and turned it back on. Or she could go ahead and go tell somebody else about what Blade did. And like this whole blood bank is another story that doesn't really go anywhere. Because they tell you in this scene that this isn't the only blood bank. That there's plenty of them, uh, I believe, around the United States. So it's like this is another story or sub story that's unfulfilling. You don't really get any resolution about it. I guess after all the vampires die that nobody will be running the blood bank, but the power is still going to be on. So these people are still going to be having their blood drawn. It just, there's no resolution to the blood bank thing. And the fact that blade, that blade let this girl live is just something that he normally wouldn't do. I'm not saying blade should go around killing folks, but somebody like this is practically a familiar and he's killing familiars in any other scene. So why didn't he kill this girl? It just didn't really seem something that blade would do. That was a little bit off. Now, uh, when, you know, Dracula goes ahead and he takes on the rest of the Night Stalkers, it's definitely a very good scene. You know, there's a lot of suspense there. There's a lot of good nighttime shots. I really dig it. And the girl from American Pie, the girl that's blind in this movie, she was solid. I really dig her. She was awesome in the American Pie movies. I dig her in this movie. And when she dies and Whistler finds her, uh, I thought it was very good. Jessica Bill did an awesome job in that scene. But Blade says use it. I'm assuming he says he wants her to scream just like he screamed when, you know, her father died. You, you know, I get it, but I don't get it. It's like use it. Well, use what? I guess use your anger to then go against the bad guys, you know? So that was a little bit weird. But at the same time, I kind of really like that scene. Now, uh, when we have Whistler doing the bow and arrow stuff, that was really cool. You know, Jessica Bill's fighting is awesome in this movie. You know, I've already talked about that. She looks really great with the bow and arrow. She looks like she's been doing this a long time. She's very believable. You know, when she's doing those speeds... You know, my wife said, well, somebody her size, I don't know if she'd be able to pull off that speed, but hey, you never know, man. Small martial artists can do some crazy stuff. So it's very possible, you know, what the amount of time she's been doing bow and arrow that she could pull off that speed. That was pretty cool. But I like the 
I like to call him the Blade 2 dog, where we have Triple H's Pomeranian who has the split jaw and opens up. It looks just like the Reapers in Part 2, you know, kind of the dogs that should have been in Part 2. I really like those. I mean, of course, then I have to deal with Triple H at this point. But I like the dogs uh, that are like, I like to call them Blade 2 dogs. And then we get the best scene of Ryan Reynolds. This is where he's the most effective and the most funny. You know, in all the earlier scenes, Ryan Reynolds was kind of doing those dry jokes. It seems like when he was with Blade, he was always trying to be funny and under the pressure. But when he's being trapped and he's with, you know, Triple H and Parker Posey, it's like, his only attitude is just to insult them and be sarcastic. And this is where he works. If he was like this the whole entire movie, that would have been so amazing. By far my favorite line in this whole entire movie, and it's a pretty terrible one, is when he calls Parker Posey uh, a blank juggling thunder blank. Oh, it's so good. It's so funny. I love it. It's hilarious. But everything he just says to her about how her hair is ridiculous and it's so good. But this is the scene where she is the worst about, you know, lover and, you know, can we stop talking about, you know, men's junk and oh, she is just so bad in this scene. But we're not even going to talk about Parker Posey anymore or Triple H, how terrible they are. But this by far, Ryan Reynolds shines hands down. He's like a 20 out of 10 in this scene absolutely hilarious i love it it's good times now i love the little girl she's not in this movie very much but man she puts dracula in his place you know when uh she's like i'm not afraid of you i'll go to heaven he's like there is no heaven uh there's only emptiness and she says my friends are gonna kill you it's like so cool you know she's all like she's being threatened you know and and just standing up like a kid wouldn't say i'm not afraid of you i'm gonna go to heaven and then he's just trying to tear her down and her response is my friends are gonna kill you and then he couldn't say nothing you know she was solid man she had really good screams but just the way her face looked and her attitude towards dracula was awesome and then we get the end fight uh, which I love the line, you know, I was born ready, mother effer. And he's like, mother effer, I like that. This fight is definitely between one and two. It's The sword fight doesn't beat uh, part one with Deacon and Blade. And the fighting itself uh, isn't as awesome as when we had no max. So this one is, you know, not as good as part one and not as good as part two. So it's definitely the weakest uh, of the endings. Uh, some of the special effects were really good. The fighting that Jessica Biel and, and Hannibal King are doing are, are, are kind of fun. But the ending is really, uh, depending which version of this movie you saw, I saw the extended cut, which the ending sucks, where uh, Dracula says, you know, you fought with honor, I leave you this gift, and then you don't get a gift, you have the FBI show up, which, hey, where were you guys in the rest of this movie, but they show up, and Blade ends up on being, a, a, I guess, an autopsy table, and wakes up, and it looks like he's going to kill somebody, and that's how it ends, and then you have another alternate ending, where uh, you have the Night Stalkers are facing werewolves, who don't really look too good. I mean, by far is the one where uh, Dracula ends up being Blade for the FBI as his gift. That made sense because it actually was a gift that you don't get to see in the extended cut. And it's like Blade's still out there, 
you know, so on and so forth. It just seems like they focus more on trying to do a spinoff than they try to do making a part three of Blade. So here is my rating for Blade Trinity. I would give this movie two and a half stars. Um, it's not very good. There's very little scenes that really go with part one and part two. There's, um, it's, it's not very good and it really dampers this series. And, you know, I would say if you're watching blade one and blade two, that, I mean, that's a, it makes it a fantastic series. And then you throw in blade Trinity and it totally dampers and you have, you've lost all your enthusiasm for the awesome ride you had with the first two. So I say watch one and two, skip three, don't ever watch this movie again, and you'll have an amazing, awesome uh, set of movies to watch. A perfect one-two punch, as John the Mailman likes to say, because one and two are, you know, four and a half star apiece, and, you know, week five, so that makes the series itself like almost a five-star series, and then you get Trinity, and it just uh, brings it down, so... I say avoid this movie. Don't ever watch it again. And it it if you have to watch it, you're going to find a couple cool things, but nothing to write home to your grandma about and just say how awesome it was. So that is it for the Blade review, which is terrible to end on a, you know, on a low note like this, but it is what it is, I guess, unfortunately. So uh, let's hear what the STL Nation had to say. Alright, so our first email comes from Walty69. So here's what Nathan had to say. He's like, uh, this movie was okay. Dominic Parcell was so bad as Dracula. Not very good looking and not scary at all. The best part of the movie is Ryan Reynolds. Well, I guess you're going to hate my review, sir. Uh, I want to start off by admitting my man crush on Ryan. I love him in almost anything. He has great comic timing and in uh, this movie he is cut. Damn, he looks good with the shirt off. I wish I looked like that. I had some questions. How did Dracula get Whistler's face to sneak into the Night Stalker's base when they never met? No idea, sir. Good question. Why did Dracula... Why was he called Drake? I don't know. To make it simple, make it cooler. I mean, they just say that's what they... That's what the vampires call him now. Why did they not see... Why did we not see any other pet animals with vampire virus in the other movies? Well, that's because they weren't in... You know, it wasn't invented until part two. So... You know, and part two, it has just been created. It's only a few days old, so of course it's not going to hit animals. So that's why you didn't see it in Blade 2. When hunting vampires for a living, why cover both of your ears with loud noise, i.e., headphones, iPods? Uh, What if someone sneaks up on you? You know, and I think it was more for comic relief, but she, you know, some people work better with their music on. Who knows how loud she had it? You know, it's hard to say, but. Dude, there's so many flaws in this movie. We'll just add it to the list. Favorite quotes, Hannibal King. This little uh, pea shooter, it's a modified version of the Army's objective individual combat weapon. Pick your poison, uh, sun dogs, uh, steaks. 
heat seek and mini rockets basically whatever gets you hard this puppy will pump them out uh sarcastic Hannibal king of course it doesn't have the range of a sword but uh uh, we are going to call ourselves the Care Bears, but the name was already taken. Uh, I think they should have stopped with two or come up with the better storyline. Welty69 out. So thank you, Nathan, for writing in, sir. Um, yeah, man, I, it's hard to say, man. There was a lot of flaws in this, so I definitely hear you, sir. Um, our next one comes from Time Traveling Peter. He's like, greetings, Masunis and the STL Nation. So we find ourselves at the conclusion of the Blade Trilogy with Blade Trinity. This time, not only writing but also directing is David S. Goyer. I think this was his uh, biggest directing gig at the time, and boy, does it show. Let's start with what I liked about the movie. I liked some of Blade's new toys, which I dig. His new look, which I didn't think was very different, and Abby's bow. Moving on. I had quite a few issues with this movie. I understand the plot and story, but I don't like it. I like the idea of Blade being set up for murder, for murdering a human in the beginning, but afterwards I think it fell flat. Cops are introduced but not brought back until towards the end of the movie, which I agree. The whole rescue scene reminded me a little bit of Terminator 2. Yeah, but it wasn't done as awesome as Terminator 2. I thought Parker Posey, who played uh, Danica, was awful. Dominic Parcell, who played Drake, was okay, but I think it was more his lines than his acting. I didn't think Whistler should have been in here just the, to him to be killed off at the beginning of the movie. I sat there thinking, well, I really don't care because I already saw this in part one and it was more effective then. Um, you know, I guess tomato, tomato. You know, it was a little bit more effective, but I like the way he went on in this one. I thought it was uh, way too convenient that after Whistler dies, the Night Sockers decide to come into play. There was no need for Hannibal King or Baby Girl Whistler. They did nothing for this movie. In my opinion, the only characters that should have been there to help Blade was Hedges, who was played by Patton Oswalt, which... I think we should have got rid of everybody and just had Blade, but you know, but he was a simple guy, not a badass that comes out of nowhere. I didn't like how Hannibal basically told Blade they're gonna help him whether he likes it or not. It became more of a movie to introduce the two main newbies. Come on, even Ryan Reynolds did the narration. This was actually my first viewing of the movie, and I don't plan on going back to watch it again. Overall, I give this movie two stars. It's something for the fans, not the masses. Well, can't wait for Friday, so we can move on. Until then, my friends, I'll leave you with two words. Gucci goo. Peter, the time traveler. Looks like uh, I gave it a higher rating than you, sir. That's kind of funny. But uh, yeah, man, I definitely hear you on that. So thank you so much for writing in. So let's check out who our next emailer is. All right, we have uh, Hurricane Andrew writes in, Mike, I really thought this movie sucked a lot. Like part two, I hated the plot. So Whistler gets killed again. How original. Only apparently for this reel, uh, but only apparently... For real this time, because the FBI are hunting them down. Whistler's daughter decides to show up with the wisecracking doofus, who I can't take seriously as a vampire hunter, to team up with Blade to fight against Dracula. Dracula, how original. Ryan Reynolds ruined most of the movie for me. I like the gritty seriousness of the first Blade movie, with Wesley Snipes and Chris Christopherson doing just fine at making us laugh here and there, but still in a serious tone. We did not need Reynolds for comedic relief for me. I just didn't like him here. I also did not like the whole Dracula angle in general, and even more disliked Dominic Purcell for his portrayal. 
I thought the first 95% of the original Blade movie was perfect, except for the Lamagre blood god thing at the end. From there on out, for me, the series got more and more disappointing, and what could have been an awesome trilogy progressively got worse. Which you're probably not going to agree with me on Blade 2, sir. I still, It's still fun for the action sequence and snipes, but I thought that this trilogy... Trilogy ended poorly and never reached the truly awesome potential the first 95% of the original movie had, which I agree, sir. Um, two stars solely based on Snipes' performance. Sorry for the sounding like such a buzzkill, but I just hated with what they did after the first movie, especially this one. I'm such a critical SOB, aren't I? Hurricane Andrew. Well, thanks so much, sir. You know, I... Man... In regards to my two and a half, I think the only reason I gave it the extra half star is just because, uh, oh, man, I don't even know, man, because I really was on two, but I was like, ah, eh. I think it's because I was riding off such a high with uh, with Blade Two that there were some moments that you know, like certain camera angles and the the stuff that I talked about that I really liked, kind of helped give it that half star, but. You know, if I was to drop it down to two stars, man, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm almost feeling like it at this point. But uh, our final email comes from Lisa the Legend. Here's what she had to say. Hey, y'all. I forgot sometimes how action-packed this whole series was. Fun to watch. I have to say Blade 2 was all right. I like the team he was with, and I uh, live that, and I love that Whistler is back. I just thought the overall storyline with Super Vamps was... I don't know, just a little weird. I did enjoy it, but I'm sure you know what I mean. As for Blade Trinity, Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Biel definitely uh, added comic relief and bring in a fresh storyline. I love that Abigail was Whistler's daughter. I was totally bummed that Whistler blew himself up. How fitting. Ryan Reynolds can be awesome whether he's a vampire or human. People like to hate on Parker Posey, but I love her. I think she is awesome in this, and she is in, uh, and she's in a lot for her career. So I guess you're going to hate what I had to say there. Sorry, girl. Hopefully you're not too mad at me. I enjoyed the new Night Stalker team and even the scientist kid. I have to chuckle even seeing Pat and Oswald as a team member. This movie had its flaws, no doubt, but still worth the watch. Take care. Lisa the Legend. So thanks, Lisa. That was good times hearing from you. Hopefully you weren't too disappointed. And I actually do have one more email. It's our final email. And uh, sorry, sir, it was buried. It's from Anthony, the epic emailer. Here's what he had to say. Hello there, once again, Masunis. You asked for emails on Blade 2 and Trinity, so here you go. Much like with the first movie, I did enjoy both movies. Each one was somewhat different from the other two. That's a good thing as it helped to keep things from feeling uh, repetitive. Blade 2, out of the entire series, I feel that Blade 2 was my favorite. It didn't feel like it suffered from the same issues that others have where it doesn't match with the predecessor as I think not that... Eh. Ugh, sorry guys, it doesn't match with its predecessor as I think that not only did it match it, I felt that it actually surpassed the original. There was a good assortment of characters helped to mix things up as there were numerous combinations that should have been done. Uh, most of the Blood Pack members were simple uh, common fodder as there was little interaction with them. Only one of uh, only one that had any actual impact in the movie was the long-term uh, Reinhardt. As Ron Perlman did a nice job making the characters stand out, Scud, uh, Nisi, and Nomak were other nor- n- noteworthy characters as they stuck out in their own ways. Now on to Blade Trinity. Well, I think that the second movie was the best of the series. Trinity is probably my least favorite. 
Very good, sir. Just felt like they added things that weren't really necessary. Perhaps the worst was having the FBI searching for Blade as they don't do anything after the part in the beginning and the end. They probably could have came up with something without having the FBI involved. Characters were good and bad and as I was okay with Hannibal King and Whistler's daughter, we're okay. But the vampires and their familiars had me rolling my eyes on more than one occasion. I did like that one of them had metal fangs, but that might have to do with me being a wrestling fan. Yeah, dude, but Triple H sucks in this movie. When it comes to Dracula, I was okay with him for the most part. I liked that he would do what he had to do to prevail, but still maintaining, but still maintaining a sense of honor. I laughed through... Uh, when he was killing the people in the store for the shameless use of quote-unquote him uh, and him giving Blade a gift of defeating him was another thing that made him stand above his followers, which, good point, sir. In conclusion, the second and third movie for the Blade series were good and so-so. Both are worth getting. There are even stores where you can get all three plus the pilot of the TV series for pretty cheap. I passed on it, but will admit that every time I see it, I can't help but consider buying it. Rating-wise, they give Blade 2 4.5 out of 5, uh, while Blade Trinity gets a 3.5 out of 5. Entire series is worth checking out, whether it's the first time or a rewatch. That's all for my email. It's pretty long, but I guess for me being the epic emailer, I felt somewhat fitting. Uh, can't wait for the STL Oktoberfest, as most of the movies that will likely be featured will be ones I've seen. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on them. That includes the ones you apparently haven't seen. Until then, see you, Anthony Epic Miller. So thank you so much, sir, for writing in. Good times, man. Always awesome to hear from you guys. And the one thing that I love about all these emails is that everybody has their own thoughts on this series. It seems like, you know, some of us agree with what the other ones say and other ones felt differently. This is definitely a series that I feel is the most diverse in the emails, you know, where some really love it, some really hate it. You know, I was kind of in between, but I think I'm pretty solid on my score for Blade Trinity two and a half because the scenes that I really did enjoy were very strong, but there was so much that I didn't like that it was definitely hard for me to go anything above a two and a half. So I think I'm definitely stuck at two and a half while I know, you know, some of you were at two and others were like three and a half. So it was definitely fun, man. I'm glad that we had a lot of diversity with this series. So overall, man, it's been super fun. So that's it for emails. So let's go ahead and get into the music spotlight. Here comes the ready and now. All right, I got a fun one for you today. Now, because today is October 1st uh, and it's the STL Oktoberfest, officially starts Friday, but I like to consider October 1st because this is when I start my Halloween movies. I'm going to try to do some, you know, Halloween type uh, music spotlights, if you will, uh, like based on the title or maybe theme or whatever. So I got a good one to start us off. So the name of this song is is called The Devil Within. Now, this isn't a song about Duchifer. I mean, come on. I mean, 
I don't ever play songs about douche first, so I'm not going to start now. Come on, give me a little bit of credit here. Obviously, it's just a metaphor, but I heard this song, the name, uh, the band that actually sing it is called Digital Daggers. Uh, my wife, uh, you know, we love Arrow and we love Revenge, and she found this video on YouTube that had kind of a clip of Arrow and Revenge put together, and the name of the song is The Devil Within. And I was like, man, I heard this song. I was like, this song is sweet. I dig it. It's good time. So uh, this will definitely kick off things. And I know that there's no devil in this movie, but hey, Dracula's kind of like a devil and he sure looked like one. So it kind of fits. So good times. I hope you enjoy it. But again, it's not about Duchefer. It's it's a metaphor. So just chill out. So that is it for the episode. If you want to write in, please do so at sweepdelaypodcast.yahoo.com or stlpodcast.gmail.com. Write in about Silver Bullet. That'll be coming out on Friday. Uh, write in about uh, the Blade series or you can start early and start writing in for Scream which will be the uh, next movie that comes in after Silver Bullet and then don't forget to go on Facebook go to www.facebook.com slash sweep delay podcast like that sucker don't forget to join the group STL the STL nation if you want to be part of the vote you have to be part of the group That's the only way it's going to work from now on. So we have the vote up and it's starting off slow, but we shall see how it goes on Silver Bullet. I'll go ahead and update you where we're at. And then don't forget to check out my boy's podcast. Don't forget Jason over at Flix Podcast. He's going to be starting up his uh, Halloween uh, theme series for October. You know, he loves October just as much as I do. So I'm interested to see what movies he's going to have up. I think it's going to be some fun times. And uh, don't forget to check out CCP on October 18th. We're going to be recording our Gone Too Soon list. Don't forget to get your emails in for that. And we will have Jason on for that episode. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be awesome. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And I can't wait to hear from you guys on Silver Bullet. And uh, that is it for the episode. So you guys have a good one. I'll catch you in the next few days. And don't forget to download the bonus episode of the 35th anniversary John Carpenter's Halloween Blu-ray review. Uh, I go in, into detail about the Blu-ray, the features, the look. So go check it out and it will hopefully convince you to go out there and buy that Blu-ray because it is a phenomenal Blu-ray. So I will catch you guys in the next episode. You guys have a good one. Take care. Masunas out.